I'll be I'll be Tara. Thanks for okay, listening wait, to wait, the wait, Blazers wait, Edge you guys, podcast. You guys, wait, really? Wait, I I have this idea, and I I've been thinking about it for a while. Um, and you might think it's really strange, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna give it anyway, because I think if you think about it for a while, you'll be like, yeah, that, that makes some sense. So I'm thinking that Paul George (laughs) should go to the Blazers. (laughs) How am I doing? That was really good. good. That was pretty good. That was really good. That was really, really good. I, uh... (laughs) I feel, you can do your impression of me. I, I yes. Yeah, uh, this is uh, uh, <laughs> hi. This is the Blazers Edge podcast. <laughs> I'm here today with Dan Mering. Danny. That, I think that's that's your cadence. I think um, that was a good. That was good. It was a good cadence for sure. Yeah, I, I can't. I can't like hit your pitch though. I, I've been recording this, and I really want it to be the intro. So. I'll introduce the Bod Pod part. Uh, I'm here today. We're recording with Bod Pod uh, with Tara Bone Biggs, aka Team Mom, um, one of the co-hosts of Blazers Edge, which you may or may not also be listening to. And then Dan Morang, Dan, other co-host of Blazers Edge. Hello. And uh, last, James Hollis. So, all right, Dan or Tara, <laughs> one of you guys can one of you guys can introduce Blazers Edge. <laughs> See the way he just kind of swept me under the rug. He just threw me in, and and that James Hollis guy. Yeah, no, you guys go ahead. You guys. Well, maybe James could introduce show. Blazers Edge podcast. We could hear his objective introduction of it. All right, go ahead, guys. Someone else. Someone else take the wheel. Hey, what's up, Blazer fans? Welcome to the Blazers Edge podcast. I'm Tara here with Danny Morang, and we've got some special guests today: Chris Axman from Almighty Baller and. James Hollis. Some people know him as Snotty Drippum. I prefer to call him by his full name. Why, thank you. James Hollis, you know, he's also from Almighty Ballers. Uh, he's actually going to have a new podcast, Dunk Tales, on our Ooh. wonderful network. So make sure what's you it, check it out. What's it going to be about? Uh, just nonsense. Me and Joe Borelli just talking basketball. And I think Joe just likes to be, wants to be my friend. So he wanted me to do a show with him. I don't like him that much, but I just agreed anyway. So. Uh, we'll do that once a week. You know. You're joking, right? That was mean. <laughs> I, Chris, I don't, Chris, I don't like you, and I do a show with you all the time. So, I mean, this is what it is. James, I think you're just very bitter because Damian Lillard was out tonight, and um, you. I, I love Dame. Dame is yeah. my, one of my favorite players in the NBA, and yes, I was kind of sad. I didn't. Get, I didn't get to see him do his thing. Um, I did get to see his cleavage, though. I saw the uh, the outfit. I don't know what that was about. Uh, that qualifies so. for Shaq and a fool, right? Like he dribbled it off his foot a couple days ago, and that's making Shaq and a fool. But like that outfit tonight, and Shabazz Napier, they, they, the Blazers caught on a clip of him. Like he just turns around, and just gives him the look, like man, you were. That like, was an amazing if you were in Miami, take. If, even if you're in Miami, I, you, I, I can't get. Like, I mean, this is this is this is why Dame's Dame. Like to get to that level, where you're feeling yourself enough to like wear that on, like, like even in your own house. Let alone go out and let's see. Is Dame walked up like he knew? He knew. He walked up like, watch what he's gonna say. And Shabazz looked at his chest, and there was a second one. Shabazz like, what the? And they're like, come on, bro. And Dame's all alive because even Dame knows he knew that he was a little bit out there tonight. It was was yeah, that was a pretty funny moment. Like that, that outfit was honestly like a heat check. Pulling up from deep, like it's like wow. That was a, that took that some was balls. Thirty-six footer 
right. was a 36 footer of wardrobe wardrobe choices i like that it. was like game six against the rockets <laughs> that was the game that six might, that, made, that would have made westbrook say okay bro that's a little too much calm down <laughs> <laughs> i was wondering if he was like challenging some kind of uniform rule because you know how you guys have been wearing the sleeves and getting trouble with for wearing the new sleeves and damien was like hold my beer i got one for y'all to comment on <laughs> <laughs> that's funny um, but pretty much now since the blazers did pull out the win you know he can never wear a shirt under his no vest more again. Under shirts ever on the sideline oh yeah, oh, yeah. no because apparently they're superfluous so are the blazers better than the lakers when dame was sitting like it, it, so they won right but are they actually a better basketball team than the lakers if dame is not in the game um, if I will say this. On that team, no. <laughs> yeah, so I, I, I will be the first to admit I have been high on Lonzo Ball. He's been a lot better lately. Tonight, he wasn't very good. But Kyle Kuzma and uh, the rest of those guys, they're really starting to co- like coalesce as a team. And they, I think the future's a little better than I thought. Um, for the Blazers, I love what Shabazz uh, Napier's been doing. Uh, in his first start, he looked really good. And uh, Nurkic was like drunk in the first half. I, I didn't see, I didn't catch most of the second half, but I know that Nurkic was like really out of sorts. What's going on with him? The, that would be that's the, a the large conversation. Right <laughs> yeah, like it, just let, let, let's hit on a few things here because yeah, no, let's, let's hit on a few things here. Shabazz balling out. Like if you took Shabazz's stat okay, line, yeah, from, like, I have a question about Shabazz. Three, like that, that's a da- that, that, that's like Dame Light stat line. Like if you just threw that on the wall and asked somebody on you know. Who's a Blazers fan? Whose stat line is this from any given night? Like, oh, that's Dame. So Tara, Dan, doing I, have that a question. I have a question. I need an answer. Do it. When was the last time you guys had a player coming off the bench who is as good as Shabazz Napier appears that he probably might be? You know? uh, Portland gets one of these. Like, they get these spurts from one of these guys like and four that's or five times a year. Sort of uh, assuming that the lineups are stable because yeah. all year we're not ever really been quite sure who is coming off of the bench. Okay. So like Shabazz has uh, been yeah. coming off the bench playing really well, you know, yeah. so in 18 minutes that I, I guess like you're right. Terry Stotts tools with the lineups a lot, but I just mean in like definitively bench unit uh, bench minutes, right? Like he's playing 18 minutes a game. But I mean, forty-five percent from three, eight points. Like, I think so. He's a like a steal point two, one point two steals. And again, that's in eighteen minutes. That's pretty. That's pretty darn good. Um, yeah, no, no, he he's been phenomenal over the last month. He's actually been Portland's leading or third leading scorer. It's Dame wow. CJ Shabazz. Yeah, I yeah, feel no, like he, it's been a long time been since absolutely a bench guy has been that good for the Blazers. Your bench is uh, so, um, weak. If, people- if you want to like a, if you want to throw a name out. It's probably Jamal Crawford. Like this is the last time the Blazers had somebody come off the bench who was multifaceted. Like people can look at like CJ McCollum behind Wes Matthews, but he never really got real minutes until Wes went down. Wait, hold on a minute. I mean, uh, Jamal Crawford. I wouldn't exactly call him multifaceted. He was a scorer, but I think that was pretty much all he did was score. I'm I'm talking Shabazz is coming off (laughs) multifaceted offense. What? So like a 16 foot jump shot and a 20 foot jump shot. Is that what you mean by multifaceted? How old was Crawford when he was on the Blazers? 140. Okay. (laughs) He was probably what? 31, 30. 
And Shabazz's game, I mean, it's not that diverse. I, I just think, like, it, it's – the Blazers, to me, have been a little bit starved for depth recently. And it's just refreshing to see another primary ball handler on the team that's good. So yeah, here- I mean, if you want to look at Shabazz over the, over the last month, he's averaging 12 points on 51% from the floor, 41% from three. Like, no, that's- I, I- you can't ask for more from that from your backup point guard. Now, here's the thing. You said he's been the third highest scorer, the third best scorer over that time period too. Yep. So that's a problem. When your third your third guy is only averaging twelve a game, that's a real issue. Yeah, you get twenty five from Dame, twenty from CJ, then twelve from Napier, and twelve from Nurkic. Wow, that's really disappointing from Nurkic. Yeah, yeah, it is. And, and Nurkic has only been playing. Um, and granted, there, there's some injury games in there from Nurkic that are pulling his, his numbers down a little bit, but that really doesn't explain most of the funk that he's really been in for long stretches of this season. Do you think he's getting a little pouty from the – from? I mean, I think – I don't know. F- things feel a lot weirder than they do. The vibe is a little off. So before we go into whether or not how, how his, his emotional state is, I'd be really curious to know what you guys think from, you know, looking outside of the Portland area, just at like what he's actually doing on the court. Because in my mind, like I was, I've been waiting for him to like, I know that he's a big guy and he creates gravity. Like I understand like what gravity is, but aside from creating gravity, I don't know how effectively he is actually stopping people from getting to the rim and, you know, protecting the rim. What do you, what do you all think? I think he's. I think he's a significantly above average rim protector. Um, I think. Uh, I I always felt that Plumley before before Nurkic came in was one of the worst rim protectors in the league. Like definitely among starters. And Nurkic, I think there's like a real effect. You can see it in Joel Embiid. Uh, if you look at Rudy Gobert, like he's just a monster. You just want guys who take up space, and you can call that length. You can call it size. You can call it like height. You know. But like really, I, I feel like that's what. You know, if you look at a lot of the really good defenses across the league, like it's, I mean, Spurs are playing two bigs uh, from like Rodney Hood to Joe Ingles to Rudy Gobert to Derek Favors. Like that defensive lineup is huge. And like Nurkic is just huge. Like you have to take a different route. It'll take you a second or two longer to get to the basket. That is a valuable second or two to have, you know? Yeah, so I agree with that. He's a clogger. He's, you know, he's huge. He makes him, he gets in the way. But um, I, I was expecting more from him this season. Uh, I, 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 always, I yelled at Dan a lot last year about how, you know, that, that great run they went on with Nurk at the end of the season and how we expect more, more, than, more of that this year. And he hasn't been that guy. Uh, I think last year he was averaging like, was like almost 15-9 and nine in that, that, that 20-something game stretch after the trade. Yeah. And, and he just hasn't been that guy. He's been very – I know injuries play a part of it. But um, sometimes it's it's like he's almost like a detriment on the floor. It seems like like today they found him under the rim for a layup, and he just turned around and just like yeah, his swapped. offense has been really bad. Just, yeah, so like it's I get it defensively he helps obviously, but if the if the guys around him aren't really disciplined and funneling and funneling the offensive player in the right way, it doesn't matter how how big he is around the lane because he's he just doesn't have that much lateral quickness anyway. So he's not gonna. If you move him around too much, he's gonna he's gonna struggle. It seems. I like. think he's so, quicker so, laterally than he gets credit for. So I, I no, think this no, is. I'm not, saying, no, no, I'm not saying he's like a lumbering brute. He's not Mozgov, obviously, but I don't think he's he's still not like a, he's not Stephen Adams out there. 
but Adams, I think, you know, does a better job of containing and, and sliding his feet and getting around. Uh, no, he, no. He's playing 30 no, minutes for the fourth best defense in the league, and the only difference That's is fine. that Plumley was he's switched out for Nurkic. He's not Steven Adams. He's not yeah. Steven Adams. I think he's pretty good um, defensively. Yeah, but that's fine. You could be wrong, Chris. I'm used to that. Uh, so, <laughs> what do you guys what I think? Mean, well, I mean, what does your eye test say? Like Tara and Dan. Well, like, what do you guys I, think? I'm, I'm, I'm leaning towards James here. It, it, he doesn't move. Like to me, Adams is one of the most undervalued, underappreciated bigs in the league. Like what he does and okay, what he gives that Thunder team. I'm not really trying to compare. I, like James got Adam into the equation. No, no. I'm just saying like Nurkic. No, like, I, what is Nurkic? I'm going to no. Here's I'm getting to that point here real quick. In that they're they they have the same kind of effect in essence of being big and challenging shots. Just that somebody like Adams has a larger range because of his mobility. It's, it's a, a larger effective range um, where he can get out and maybe, and maybe hedge on, on pick and rolls above the free throw line, uh, put pressure on shooters on a late switch and then recover. If Nurkic comes above the free throw line, he's committing. There's, there's no ifs, ands, buts about it. Because he's not going to be able to recover in time, and that's not a shot at him. He's just seven foot, two hundred eighty-five pounds. Like asking him to get back fifteen feet in a step or two while trying to still, you know, cover for somebody at the three-point line—that's just not something that's in his bag. But within fifteen feet of the rim, it's like shooting over a phone booth. It's it's not an easy thing to do. He's huge. Right? Yeah. Look, so I I think if you really think about like the defensive principles that Terry Stotts has has focused on really since his time as an assistant coach in Dallas, I feel like what they're basically trying to do is overcommit with CJ and Dame. And I think that happens a lot. Like they, they take themselves out of the play a fair amount, especially for like a team that isn't fast break offense oriented, but whatever they, they definitely like get out on shooters. And sometimes that means that guys will get some penetration. And I feel like Nurkic is the only reason why there's a lot of mid range shots on pull-ups and stuff instead of people well, going all the way to the basket. Right. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, has been phenomenal. Well, well, okay. Here's, here's what I mean. Aminu was around last year though. And the year before, like the only yeah. difference really in this defensive lineup is that you're switching out Plumley for Nurkic. And like, I feel like Nurkic is sort of having that. Um, there was like a 2011 paper that won at Sloan, uh, the MIT Sloan called the Dwight Howard effect. That was basically making the argument for like the best evidence of Dwight Howard's rim protection is that people don't want to even go to the rim at all. And I feel like that's what Nurkic is doing. And that's why the, uh, that's why they have the, I'd agree with that to an extent. Yeah, I think that's why they have the fourth lowest effective field goal percentage shot against them in the league. Like their defensive four factors are really, 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 really good. Like they, uh, they um, statistically, anyways, pass the smell test, and I think it makes a little bit of sense when you think about it. Yeah, that's awesome. If you look at what's awesome. Oh, go ahead, guys. No, no, I was say if you if you look at this is something that Tara and I have talked about a million times, and, and I think she'll get behind this as well. Is that where Portland excels? They're very good, and where they're bad, they're very bad. There's there's no in between with what they do night in and night out. Like you take a look at tonight, they win a game against the Lakers. Um, was a final ninety five ninety two. That's that's an ugly game. The Lakers yeah, are a team that, that gets up and down the court and runs and wants to score. Granted, they're missing Ingram and Portland's missing Dame, but I mean Portland has done a really good job of since their offense has really been bad for the majority of the year of uglying games up. I think that's, that's kind of where I'm getting to. I mean, what, what, what do you think, Tara? I'm 
sitting here wondering why Portland is so frequently being outscored by it, uh, in points in the paint. Um, because Nurkic so, is bad offensively, I think. So do you, do you think it's because of lack of offense and not because of lack of defense? So I think what you're what you're getting at there is that you don't like you're tr- the only thing that defensively it seems like the Blazers are doing a poor job of that they've done basically since Terry Stotts has been head coach is they don't force any turnovers and they don't get out on the break. That's what you're saying, right? I mean, that wasn't what I was saying. That's an interesting point, but that's not where I was going. Oh, okay. <laughs> but you can go there. That's totally fine. No, I'm just, I'm just sitting here looking at box scores and sitting here, you know, thinking about sitting in the Moda Center while, you know, we just keep looking at, like, Walt, you know, getting outscored in the paint by you know, Denver. I can't. It was like, what was Denver, Denver scores 64 points in the paint. Hey, so, so let me ask you guys this, kind of connecting back to what Chris said earlier. Do you think I've noticed a little bit too that that Nurk runs really hot and cold? There's times when it's like he might as well not even be out there. And I guess I don't know it's part of the injuries or whatever he's going through. But yeah, do you is some of it maybe that he's getting a little pouty? Maybe is that possible? I. I- and that's the thing I think that a lot of us um, were discussing really in Blazers Twitter tonight because Nurt played 16 minutes tonight. Zach Collins played 32. Ew. So, and Nurk at one point in time, I believe, was 2 of 11 from the field. Something along the yes. line. i got to pull up yes. the number. Yeah, so 2 of 11 is what he is what he finished at. Um, yeah. 2 of 11, 4 points in, in 1654. Um, and the vast majority of his look, I remember he got two, at least 2 mid-range jumpers, deep mid-range jumpers. He may have had three, but the rest were shots really at the rim that he just kind of floated and flailed up there. Um, he wasn't engaged. And again, he's coming back off of uh, off of the ankle slash leg injury. So perhaps, and on a back-to-back, so perhaps they were limiting in his minutes. But if I had to, if, you, if you're putting a gun in my head and making me pick one side or the other, I think they pulled him because he was just playing like crap. I think he wasn't effective on either side of the floor tonight, and they rolled the dice and said, hey, Collins hasn't been bad on that side of the floor, so let's see what we can get out of him because we're not getting anything out of Nurkic. Yeah, I think he's underrated defensively and, like, overrated offensively. I I think he's, like, really the – I think to the same extent that you can put a lot of the defensive improvement on Nurkic, you can probably put a lot of the sliding offensively on him as well. Um, Like he just can't make anything near the basket. And he has that same phone booth effect, right? Like, I mean, Dame and CJ, when they're trying to get to the basket, they either have to go around him or shoot over him in the same way. I mean, he's not contesting them, but like he's a big body and he's like in the way, you know what I mean? It clogs things up, not even from a spacing perspective, like spacing basketball wise, but spacing like he's literally just a huge man, you know? Hey, you know what? I got to say this, Chris. As a guest, you're much more engaging than you are as a host. I'm so proud of you right now. What, what, what do you mean? What do you mean? I don't know what you're saying. <laughs> why, why, are you, why are you ripping on me? I'm just trying to like – I, I gave you a compliment. That was a compliment. You are actually – I'm listening to like, wow, That was guy, James' compliment. Yeah, yeah, yeah it was shrouded with actually. That's the thing is sometimes when people are making compliments, when you say you're actually doing a really good job, when people say that to me all the time, my I just my hair stands on it. Yeah, <laughs> like oh, so all the, the other times I was doing a terrible job, you're actually doing a really good job. What I'm saying, Chris, is that when you're the host, I want to punch you in the mouth a lot. Today, I'm like, oh, this is pretty cool. <laughs> 
<laughs> you know, maybe it's also because we told you the beginning, y'all at the beginning, that since this is going to be on Blazer Edge, nobody's allowed to swear. And so this is just the genteel, you know, part of you all coming out. Yeah, James is not being genteel. He's being callous and hurting my feelings. Wow. Okay, so here's something we we, we absolutely have to talk about, though. Speaking (laughs) speaking of hurt feelings, it's something that I'm talking through to people on Twitter right now. And yes, I'm on Twitter as we record the podcast because it's actually kind of crazy. Danny. Yeah, it's happening. So step away, and you have three nope, people nope. here who want to hear what you have to say. No, and we, we want your undivided attention right now. Nope. No, 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 yep. So uh, there is a vocal minority of people who want to see Stotts gone in Portland. Uh, I've heard from quite a few people over the past. 10 days or so that if things were to go sideways over the next two weeks, that um, things could get messy. And that is terrifying to me as a Blazers fan, because I, number one, I don't think you're going to find a better relationship or coach for Damian Lillard than Terry Stotts Um, Two, um, what that would mean for this franchise going forward. It just, it, it puts so many things up in the air. Um, so from the outside looking in, um, what, what, how are, how do you evaluate coach thoughts and where do you guys place him as far as coaches in the NBA right now? Um, I'll go first with this one. I, I feel like, uh, a couple years ago, I would have been all in on the fire thoughts train. I, I wasn't a big believer in him with, uh, LaMarcus was there. But he's shown, sure, Dame is awesome and CJ has been awesome. So, you know, it's a player's league. But he has allowed them to be who they are, and he's fashioned playoff teams around them every year. And they go through those just giant swoons, and they go through those, like, long stretches where they seem like they, they can't win a game. But they still end up in the playoffs. And that's that's incredible. That's That means something. Um, and the fact that there are everyone so like, – it seemed like a pretty harmonious locker room other than your boy uh, – who's the power for it? Uh, is it Harkless that's been kind of chirping a little bit about his minutes? Ooh, he had a great game tonight, though. Holy moly. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, the the fact that didn't turn into anything, you know, like they just handled it like, all right, well, he's chirping, and they, you know, you didn't hear anybody, you know, it didn't become a thing. Um, So not just with the player relationship, but, I mean, like you said, they they went from one of the worst defenses maybe a couple years ago, like not not a very good defensive team. Now they're one of the best defenses in the league, you know, and and, and once once, they can get the offense going, this, it's going to be a team to kind of be maybe not reckoned with. I, I don't think they're challenged to go to state. But, um, yeah, in a league where it's so hard to find a coach that's effective, you know, some teams churn through coaches once every year and a half, two years, whatever, uh, it, it seems like it would be a pretty big mistake to fire Stotts, you know. Especially, like you said, Dame Dame is such a star to me. I love Dame. You, and if, if Dame's happy with them, I think I think you roll with them no matter what. So Yeah, yeah, that's, that's pretty much to me the bottom line is that um, you – so I, I I know Dan or Danny, I, I know you're sort of on the uh, like team tank. You you sort of want to see uh, the Blazers blow it up, but and I, I'm not sure I'm with you. And I think that if you fire Stotts, it's a step in the wrong direction because really you're sort of screwing with Damian Lillard's conceptualization of his place in the Blazers franchise. I saw just the other day the Blazers tweeted out this like Christmas picture of like. Uh, it was him. He was up there, and I think like Clyde Sabonis, right, right? Exactly. Walton, yeah, and he was yeah, like, "Hey, I'm up there." Yeah. Like, I, I think that legit. I, I've seen enough evidence to suggest that he like considers himself essentially a Blazer for life. 
Um, I think oh, no, the, no, he, he's a blazer lifer. I, okay, I don't yeah. doubt that one. So, bit. like, do you want to fire the coach that he's like publicly defended consistently on Instagram? Oh, and, like, I'm, I'm, I'm pro stots. I am staunchly pro stots. Yeah, there's, it, there's it, no doubt. I guess the reason I'm saying all of this is that I just think that, like, strategically, it's almost inconsequential at that point. Like, he's the right guy because it's a uh, it, it for the same reason that that Fisdale like is a good coach. He's probably a better coach than Stotts, but he wasn't the right guy in Memphis. If you want to have Marcus All, right? So wait, Fisdale's a better coach than Stotts? Well, Uh-oh. okay. Here's what I'm saying. All right, X's <laughs> and O's, like clipboard wise, yeah, I think he might be. He might be. I I, I can't really say that for uh, sure. I don't, um, hey, you know what? I, so I, I guess I haven't been a big Stotts guy, but I watch. They run some clever stuff, man. They run some really clever offense. Um, I, I mean, they got to find a way to maybe di- di- diversify it a little bit because right now it, it really is, you know, the Damon CJ show. And, and and maybe it's a talent thing, obviously, because I don't like the way the roster is balanced out anyway. Well, okay. I mean, I, I think Stotts is good. I just think Fisdale's probably, like, maybe better. Maybe. I don't even know. The point is, like, I just think that that's – that's not the question in a way that it normally is just because the relationship in the locker room is so solid. Um, I think it's so wait, like, let me ask the question like well, a, a different way then, like on a scale of one to 10, you know, one being no problems at all. 10 being, yeah, Stotts is going to get fired next week. Where do you, where do you feel like he feel uh, the situation falls on that continuum? I, so I think that Neil O'Shea is in more danger than, um, than Stotts is. Uh, nah. No, I think, well, he, let, I think he is. You go first, Chris. Well, Exp- so, uh, ela- elaborate. Yeah, I mean, I think everyone uh, is saying, like, you know, Paul Allen's like a changed man, but uh, it, it seems like a lot of the things that Neil O'Shea has been doing recently with, like, the media and, like, silencing people and blacklisting people and, like, chasing people out and, like, then in terms of roster construction too, like, giving way too much money to certain people, like, I think really it it seems to me from the outside looking in that the Blazers go as their roster goes, which is, like, pretty typical. If it's a talented team, they do well. If if critical guys get injured, they don't do well. If there's not a good bench, they struggle. Um uh, and I, I think that a lot of that has to do with just the guys that they're rolling out there on a season by season basis. Like, again, I'm sort of saying like when Plumlee was replaced by Nurkic, it, this team like flipped on its head. All of a sudden Plumlee's all of a sudden the offense is an elite like it used to be. And the defense isn't terrible anymore. It's good. It's like, basically if you give Stotts the pieces, he'll make it work. Uh, it's just that the roster's kind of a little bit shallow and they're missing, I think some critical guys and their bench, like Napier's like a, a, like a blessing, but you know, at the same time, they're giving a ton of money to Evan Turner. And like, what are you going to do? James, how about you on a scale of one to 10? So on a scale for a scale of, uh, Brad Stevens to, uh, Jeff Hornacek, maybe, uh, not, not even Hornacek because Hornacek's not in trouble. I don't think, no, I think, I mean, he's fine. Um, one to ten, you know, as far as ten being the worst, I, I don't know what three or four. He shouldn't be in any kind of trouble. I mean, it is what it is. Like like Chris was saying, this is the roster he's been handed. I think he's done probably about as well as reasonably reasonably to be expected. You know, I mean, I, I have high high hopes for this team this year, and they haven't really lived up to him so far. But we do know that this is a team that can rip off 
you know, 15 wins in 20 games, you know, second half of the season and once everybody's healthy and, and up and running. So, I, yeah, I don't think he should be any I, – I don't see a reason why. Like, last year they made the playoffs, and now, you know, I think people were kind of low on them. This year, I don't know what was really expected. You guys can tell me what was expected by the fan base, but yeah, I expected better, but there's reason that they haven't been. Injuries, uh, especially Nurk has been a little under under underwhelming. I think um, Nurk's the reason. I, like he could do better than this. Like offensively, yeah, he's yeah, just not sure. been good. And for sure, like, that, that's. A, I don't want to put yeah. it all on him because I mean it, there is something to the fact that, like we said with Oladipo, maybe in in OKC last year, you don't get in a good rhythm when you don't really see the ball. And the way CJ and Dame shoot the ball, which is as they should because they're awesome. It's it's hard I to shoot on that third guy shots, in there. Man. Uh, yeah, he had eleven tonight in sixteen minutes, and he, he shoots two a lot. of them. Yeah, he's getting he's getting fed. Let me let me see if you guys can agree with me here. Maybe I'm wrong. There's a difference between a guy just coming and getting a lot of shots up, which he did tonight, and it wasn't very effective because he didn't seem like getting any lift, and getting into an offensive rhythm over the course of a game where you know you would get a certain amount of shots. And in your flow and in your in your zone, right? There's a difference. Oh yeah, you mean so, he was on one the other night. He was nine of twelve and had twenty points and seven rebounds. There you go. So he can have those nights, but he had, he's not yeah. having them consistently. Yeah, that's right? the thing is, like he's he's kind of being like uh, I'm trying to think who was it the Batum a couple years ago when when Portland had him, where if he hit his first shot, he, you could be you could be in for a good night. Like you, you would just have one of those nights. But if he doesn't get something rolling. Um, it, it translates on to, to to both sides of the floor. Like, even though he's big and he takes up space, he instead of sliding over one foot and making the correct play, he just reaches and draws a foul. And it's like, dude, come on! Or like tonight, he hit KCP under the rim in the restricted area. Instead of just flipping his hips, going up and dunking, he tries to go for some weird half cocked off English re- reverse. Yeah, that, that was weird. That was, that's the move I thought. Yeah. Do you think the yeah, ankles like, ankle still bother him? Think it might be the ankle still? That's the only thing that I can think of because, like, but he was doing he that needs, at the beginning of the season too. Look, don't you think he's just not offensively doing what he's supposed to do? I mean, he's having three turnovers a game, but in a stat system where Plumlee averaged like. I don't know, per 36, something like 100 million assists or something. Like They were running a lot of the offense through Plumlee in the same way that I think they're trying to do with Nurkic. And too Nurkic often... Nurkic catching on the roll like crazy. I'm sorry? Nurkic is catching on the roll like crazy. Like they, On cuts and rolls, they're getting him the ball. The problem is... I, I just feel Even like when, he he, when he's kick- creating when he's creating from the high post, he makes the wrong decision too much. Mm-hmm. He either shoots it or tries to take it like off the dribble or holds onto it too long and gets it gets stolen. You know, like it, it's I th- I think he's just not making the right decisions when the offense is supposed to run through him. I agree with that to an extent, but the the thing that I, I think a lot of people are forgetting um, when it comes to Nurkic and as far as creating and playmaking. He actually did a fair amount of it uh, last year when he first came over, and that was actually the thing that was surprising exactly me the most. Saying, not the scoring, right? not the rebound, not the defending. But the thing is, is that when he was facilitating as that role man or off the cut or from the high post, he didn't have Maurice Harkless in one corner and Evan Turner in the other. It was CJ McCollum and Alan Crabb. Oh, that's a great and those point. Are, that's a great those point. Those are massive. And listen, I, I've, I, I've said that the Blazers are just fine without Crabb. Um, they are in a sense, but there are everyone behind him as far as a shooter goes it was elevated a position without anybody there to replace him that's yes. a problem 
that, and that's I, worthy. Yeah. And he, like, like Pat Connaughton's been great totally. in that role. But, but the fact that you don't have another 40% three-point shooter, and there's something that I've just, like, you know, beat to death. Um, Maurice Harkless was, was shooting, you know, 19 per earth was 21%. Evan Turner was shooting 19% from three. You have two guys that are shooting sub-23% from three, and the Blazers are the absolute worst in the NBA in points at the rim and in corner threes. So the two yeah. most high-efficient areas positions on the floor where your your defense, are, your defense is plugging in, there's nobody there. That's a problem. Yeah. I want to kind of move on to a slightly different topic, but not too far off of this. I'm curious to what these guys, we, you know, we talked a lot about Nurkic as a center and what he um, is able to do, you know, defensively just by being big and what he's struggling with doing offensively. What do you guys think about the alternatives that the Blazers have in the center position? Have you watched enough Blazer games this year to have thoughts on what else could be happening or is it just Nurk's it's all him <laughs> he has to put it together so okay I, I guess are you talking about like the young guys like I think Ed well, Davis there's, is, is there's like, Ed Davis there's um, Ed Davis uh, is Ed Davis. Collins there's Myers yeah. and I uh, I'm a big Ed Davis fan and there's a phenomenon here in Portland which I don't know if it's made it outside of the local region called Shirt Off Ed um, <laughs> and Shirt Off Ed is like uh, when Ed like just turns it on and goes up takes it up a whole nother level and um, in the last kind of the most recent swoon that we saw I think one of you guys used that term before that was awesome um, the the you know when we lo- they lost three out of the four games Ed was one of the only people who was playing with energy a lot of the times um, when other people were struggling so we've seen a lot of Collins lately uh, and he is one of the young guys he's one of the rookies and we've seen a slight uptick in Ed minutes as well so yeah, yeah, what do you think about that? So I think one thing I'm a little bit disappointed at uh, about is that I thought when they went out and caught Caleb Swanigan, he seemed kind of redundant. But to me, he was the only center option that has size, can shoot from the perimeter, and sort of play functionally as a wing, and at least feign to spread the floor. Now, like he shot really poorly, but in summer league, I think he was kind of impressive. Like got really sort of in the mix, and I think. He's another big body. He's certainly not as big as Nurkic, but um, I, I think they should be investing a little bit more time in Caleb Swanigan. Zach Collins has been better, but like I just I, – I mean, look, to be honest, I think that um, almost every other player – like Zach Collins will probably be – the worst player um, picked in the lottery <laughs> because I think Josh Jackson will probably hit a shot a little bit more. And I don't know. Like, I, I, I just like, I, I don't really get the whole Zach Collins thing. Ed Davis. I really like, he's just not like a starter though. Uh, and again, like this, it, it, I think you look, and I'm not even going to talk about Myers Leonard. I don't want to step on any toes. Um, uh, <laughs> Dan. Um, so uh, yeah, it, it seems to me like, um, like it's another situation where it's just, uh, it, like there's really what you want is like basically Nurkic except um, with some touch from outside and like he isn't such uh, he he makes better decisions when he's trying to finish at the rim. But 
I, and I think that that's why they picked Zach Collins, but I don't think that he's going to be able to have the defensive impact that Nurkic has and Caleb Swanigan's more mobile. They just need like a like a better guy, right? Am, am I wrong? So I'm going to ask you uh, to piggyback off what Chris is saying, though, but Collins wasn't brought in really for this year, right? Like they kind of, they knew he was kind of a project, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, that's, well, I mean, the exact, <laughs> yeah, that's exactly. So he was a, both a franchise cornerstone who could contribute immediately and was going to be valuable for the next 12 to 15 years, but he was also going to have trouble cracking the rotation. So you can kind of split that one however you want to. Great pick. Okay. <laughs> so he has been playing a lot of minutes. Like we said earlier, he played 30 and Nurkic played 16. Collins has been coming in a lot. And uh, I've noticed a lot lately with Ed. And so it's almost like Collins is playing power. I don't know. Dan, would you say Collins He's playing is playing power, power forward? forward? Yeah. Cause they, they, every time he gets matched up at the center, every other team just salivates. That's, that's, that's been Whoa. the trend. When he's playing as a power forward, it's fine. James, mute your microphone when you're not talking. I think we're James. picking up James's blinker right now. <laughs> right. You guys heard my blinker. Uh, <laughs> just mute, just mute your microphone when you're not talking. Um, okay, sorry, it's, it's, Dan. It's, go it's, ahead. This adds, it, adds color to the show. <laughs> okay, <laughs> it's it's actually tales from the road from James Ellis. Right. Um, so, Dan, what, what were you saying? I got distracted by the sounds of what I assume <laughs> James was blinker. James watching Cloverfield and. <laughs> Seen in the subway or something like that. So yeah, Collins is the minutes he's getting. He he's getting minutes as a power forward, which right now is the the only big position he should be playing. In, in my opinion, um, when he gets caught up in a switch inside the paint, um, it's it's pretty much curtains. Um, if you're six five and two hundred pounds, you're going to win the strength battle with him. He's just not physically there yet. Um, he could he get there if, in the next couple of years, sure. But right now, it, it's not it's not a thing. Um, but um, when he is playing um, as the weak side shot blocker or the help defender or putting pressure out on the perimeter because of his length and because of his, his movement and his, or his ability to move um, he's been a viable option there because Davis is the power forward. While he moves better than some guys, he can't really cover stretches all that well or Collins, even if he doesn't necessarily have the foot speed to make up for it, he has enough length um, to make up for anything. He doesn't have in that, in that area where Davis is, doesn't quite have enough, um, but uh, yeah, he his ability to help side defend um, has been more beneficial, more surprising than I thought it would be um, this early on. But beyond that, uh, particularly on that side of the ball, there, there it's still definitely much with a big sign up of uh, work in progress. Yeah. Hey, James, I, uh, I'll give you a chance to unmute because I have a question for you. Um, I know that uh, as somebody who's kept a cl- careful eye on Boston for many years, you had some really strong opinions about Evan Turner when he came to Portland. I was wondering if you caught the news the other day about the uh, truck, the garbage truck crashing into his swimming pool. Uh, so basically his game came home to roost. Is that what you're telling me? Oh, James. 
Come on. Oh, man. Dude. Oh, God. James, did you just try to assassinate Evan Turner? Like, did you just... I think you just died. I'm sorry, man. Look, I I hope that he works out for you guys. Um, You know, I I get it. He's on the team, and he he does some good things as far as maybe spot defensively and rebounding, but he's so... Nah, dude. The 19% for three. Is that what you you told me? Yeah. Yeah, that's what... I mean, let's pull up for this for this month. He's doing better for the month of December. He's shooting thirty three percent on point five threes per game. So he's gotten to the point where he's just not even taking them. I just I, yeah, which is good, right? Because if you can't shoot, just don't even take them. I just I just yeah. don't understand. I mean, it's, it's how, literally that. How is that your free agent target? How did that happen? You know what I'm saying? I just I, I get it, and people explain logic to me, but at the same time, he's Evan Turner. How did that happen? Well, so I think that's the general manager's decision. So uh, I don't know. But on, I always sort of thought that, uh, okay, Alan Crabb was, was kind of underrated, especially the impact he had as really the only pseudo wing, the only perimeter player who was really an elite shooter on this team. Like, uh, I mean, look at what Kyle Korver does for the Cavs. Like, I, yeah. I think – I can't imagine if they had someone like that. Like, if Kyle Korver was starting at the three, like, their offense would be, like, so, so much better if they could have someone who could curl off of screens and reliably attract people away from CJ and from Dame and from Nurkic. Like, I think I think Dan made, like, a great point when he said, like, there's no corner shooters here. There's no one who is giving either of these guards and, like, the center that they're trying to run offense through – they don't have any breathing room and like that is bad that hurts like not only are they missing those shots they're making it harder for their teammates to hit shots and like it really it feels bad man you know like <laughs> defenders are, are a step closer on every single drive yeah 100% than they were last year that that's the big problem like as good and and CJ's shooting right now is is down on the season and tonight he had another game where like he, I can't remember him having bad games really at all, other than maybe a handful in the past two years. This is the seventh or eighth time this season where he's been not just like, okay, he had an off night. He was seven of twenty three. See, hey, he's he one of the best shooters in the league. Like it's just weird. Dan, you were. I remember you were kind of like you know relieved they made the Alan Crab move right because we we know he was overpaid. Looking yeah. back now, which. Do you, do you feel any different now? Not in the long term. In the short term, yeah, it's, it's definitely impactful. Um, it, I mean, it's no secret my stance on Alan Crabb in the first place was don't pay him, don't pay him, don't pay him, don't pay him, don't pay him. I mean, I, I couldn't have been more adamant in that if I tried. I like Alan um, Crabb. The fact – don't get me wrong. I like Alan Crabb as a player. If you would have had him at Maurice Harkless's money, that it's a totally different story. Totally different story. If if you were going to say that um, if Brooklyn offers more than fourteen and a half million, we're just going to we're going to bite the bullet and say see you later, Alan. It's up because a year later, it's exactly what they did, and then they took back dead money. Like that, that's Alan Contract's situation was so bad that nobody else in the league was willing to take it without sending back dead money. Like that's that's crazy. 
25-year-old who shoots 45% from three who's supposed to be this guy that's so good or can do so many different things, yet Look, you have I mean, to take it's a value proposition. Come on. Like, dead money. I mean, like, let's not conflate the player with the contract. Like, yeah, he's not good value on, like, 20-plus million a year, right? Like, I mean, but he was a very good quality player who the Blazers relied upon to spread the floor, and they don't have that anymore, and their offense is, like, sort of in the tank because of it. Like, look. Yeah, my was thing per- was, like, once, once, once you paid them, you paid them, now you have them, and, and you, I think you just roll with it. I don't think – I get that, uh, you know, they – They'd be in the repeater tax. That's the problem. Is next yeah, year they look, would be in the I, I think you tax, make that move, and then they're like, screwed. It, it's. I, I guess my argument is like outside of the vacuum. It was. It was a good trade, and it remains a good trade. But like inside, <laughs> inside a vacuum. Wait. Okay. Wait. All right. Without the context of like the luxury tax and the repeater tax and all of that, he was a really valuable player for the Blazers. But with that context, it was a good trade, right? So. His value to the Blazers, Dan, do you have available quickly? I'm going to ask my assistant, Danny, here to run the numbers um, between uh, Connaughton and Crab. I mean, I know they're oh, not exactly they're, the they're, same. Their they're stats through. Yeah. Um, and compared Connaughton's to shooting. Yeah. Connaughton's shooting 38% on the three. Okay. Um Giving you six points in twenty minutes, so he's. Let me go ahead and just go ahead and you know I'll just do this. Why not put him into the starting line action? How does he do alongside uh, Dame honest- and CJ? Actually, there's a really nice think, lineup of uh, yeah. CJ Napier and Connaughton, along with Ed Davis and Aminu, which is my personal not favorite. That's not the starters when we have starters, um, and yeah, Connaughton plays. Connaughton, I mean, Connaughton, you can trust. I mean, you can trust that Connaughton is going to get in there, and if he's not going to shoot, he's going to play defense. He's not going to make boneheaded moves. He's and the best cutter on this team, which he showed again tonight. Mm-hmm. Connaughton does a really lot bad. at a fraction of the price that they were paying for Alan Crabb. Yeah, so if we're looking at... Go ahead, James. I was just say it makes me sad that like Dame and CJ are so awesome, and then we're saying names like Pat Connaughton and Ed Davis and Mo Harkless. Look, Pat Connaughton's not bad. It's just he, no, he's no, not no, shooting. None of them are bad. I'm just saying, like they got to find a way to upgrade that roster around Dame and CJ. Okay, uh, you know what? After Dame and CJ, the fall off is pretty good. And before we go too it's, far, I want to give the, the the numbers on on Crab and Connaughton just for for context sake. So per thirty six, Connaughton's eleven points, Crab's at fifteen points. Uh, P- uh, Pecans at 80% from the free throw line, Crabs at 83%. Uh, two point percentage, Connaughton's at 52, Crabs at 43. Three point percentage, um, Connaughton's at 39%, Crabs at 37%. Overall field goal percentage, Connaughton's at 45, uh, Crabs at 39. So, um, yeah, and Crabs making 17.5 million right now while Connaughton's still on the final year of his rookie deal. So, I mean, yeah, that one well, hurts. He, he, yeah, he's not playing with the starters. That's, I feel like, the problem. Like, you just need space for Nurkic to breathe, and uh, you need CJ and Dame to get some help so that they're not having to uh, do so much offensively. I just feel like um, you need Aminu. And, I, I, like, the Blazers have known this for a while. Like, if you could just get the right guy alongside, like, Aminu, in theory, Nurkic, like, like good universe Nurkic, 
CJ and Dame, if you can get the right three there, like like Paul George or like oh, that, that's been the case for years. Yeah, that's, that's why exactly I was what I'm screaming. Saying, right? Like yeah, like as bad as Carmelo has been in OKC. If Carmelo is in Portland, oh, they're not a man. they're not a threat to they're not a threat to Golden State, but they're a top four team in the West probably. Uh, yeah. I know she hates she hates Melo. Yeah, but I mean, you, I I'm just not sure about don't that. get it. I just don't get it. I don't yeah, know sure, why yeah. at this point. I can I could see like if we had like 26 year old mellow and don't you dare say Olympic mellow or hoodie mellow or I will hang up on you. Olympics. But 34 <laughs> or however old mellow, I just I don't get it. Uh, okay, it's like Trevor to, Reza. To me How the bonus that? of of this Rudy deal. Gay. A reason uh, See honestly, as much as a is the better defender and better shooter, I would t- and I know this is almost sacrilege. I would take Rudy Gay over Ariza in the Same, Blazers yeah. universe solely because of Gay's ability to be more than um, a catch and shoot guy. Like Ariza, well, I know he can catch and shoot. Yeah, I think you could play Aminu no, at, at, really. at, the, at the three, four, the same way you could do with Gay. I think you could do you can play them both pretty much the same way. Right. Um, but having somebody else who could put the ball on the floor and attack a mismatch, um, play out in transition, do, can both be relied on as a shot creator and a shot taker. Hit corner um, threes. That's, that's what Portland needs more than, more than anything is the fact that they, they need somebody else who has more than one. You know, I mean, we've got we've said this a million times. We, they need somebody more with more than one skill set. OG and an has been pretty good <laughs> for Toronto. Let's, Have you noticed that? Let's not bring up OG, please, please. Hey, imagine, imagine lineups of Donovan Mitchell and CJ McCollum. Oh, okay. Jerk. Dan's gonna get really upset, so I need to move us on to something else. <laughs> but it's sort Kevin of related. Or Zach Collins at the three, maybe. <laughs> hey, don't <laughs> be surprised. That they right, may okay, start Tara, Collins. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I, I, I'm I not kidding. You. They may start Collins in the next week or two. I wouldn't be surprised <laughs> if that's if that's the case. Tara, go and ahead. you guys are gonna have to fly out to Portland just to hold Dan if that happens. <laughs> but anyway, in the okay, going back to scale of one to ten. Um, so last year, the, you know, the Blazers made the trade for Nurkic at the at the trade deadline. How likely do you think it's going to be that the Blazers make a make a trade at the deadline? And like, how significant do you think the trade would be? Like, I would call last year's trade like a five, and when they made it, like not massive, but not nothing, like kind of right there in the middle. So. When the with the uh, the early trade deadline, how likely do you think it's going to be the Blazers will make a trade? And if they do, how big of a deal do you think it's going to be? Nikola Miritich. Miritich, ah, not bad. Um, so, how would you guys feel? And I'm going to make this up. And I'm going to say it's a rumor, so I f- I sound like I'm official. What if they traded uh, Nurkic, the contract of Evan Turner, and other various flotsam and jetsam? And they brought in Dwight Howard. Are you kidding me? <laughs> so basically the same deal that I proposed for Mark Gasol, but instead for, for Dwight. Dude. Hey, man. Like, Dwight's been good this year, and I think no, it's, it's shorter no, money. He than, hasn't. <laughs> oh, yes, he has. No, no, Dwight's been good this year. Let's not do this. Dwight's oh, been good God. this year. Yeah. How old is Dwight? Wrong. 32? Uh, 33? Are he and Gasol the same age? I just like I just don't like I don't have enough time to explain why Dwight Howard is like 
a bad basketball <laughs> player and an annoying person. I just don't. I just don't want to mm-hmm. talk about it. I'm like just gonna sit this one out. If you guys want to talk about Dwight Howard, <laughs> well, no, I, I might well talk about it's it. Easy, I'm just saying. No, no, it's it's an interesting idea because it's the same kind of idea that I floated um, for the uh, like when I, I asked Blazers fans a couple weeks ago. You know, what would it cost or what? How far are you willing to go to get off the Evan Turner contract, which was basically Evan Turner and Yusuf Nurkic for Marcus Soul? Now, I, I don't know if that trade makes any sense um, for Memphis, but it was more of a, 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 a theory practice for how much do you value Nurkic versus um, the anchor that is Evan Turner's contract. And I think this is another way to measure that is um, if Gasol was a yes, is Dwight Howard a yes? I mean, Dwight's only got one year left after this year. Yep. Oh, God. So from I guess a salary cap space, and yeah, he's thirty-two, and he's given he's given what this year? He's I'm like so twelve right and fourteen. Now. He's he, uh, he's, hey, he's hey, given on, like twelve me, and fourteen, right? Hey, hey, his last his last ten games is averaging uh he's averaging seventeen and twelve. Yeah, dude, his counting stats are fine. Good God, he's just and he's been he's been a net positive. Um, he's he's still being a rim protector, averaging one and a half blocks a game. In yeah, minutes, dude, so. his counting stats are fine. <laughs> if you just watch the game, he's just not doing the things he's supposed. To. I don't want to. I don't want to talk about it. Okay, let's no, 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 no. Get get into it a little bit. What what is it about Dwight? This current iteration of Dwight, because this Dwight, at least in in my opinion, has just been let me play basketball, Dwight. Look, like so. The Hornets are sort of in a tailspin right now. They're thinking about trading Kemba. Things just are not looking super great. When you switch out Dwight Howard for Cody Zeller, that's essentially the difference between last year's Hornets offense, which was like reaching top 10 at some points. Like there were some freaky, like, you know, advanced stats that indicated that Cody Zeller and Kemba at some points were the best pick and roll combo in the league. Every time that Dwight Howard sets a pick for Kemba Walker and dives to the rim, every single time he's slipping that screen you're Dwight Howard okay and like you're setting screen for Kemba Walker just like look James you were just talking about how great and underrated Steven Adams is like yes how can you say that and say that Dwight Howard's having a positive impact on his team I'm asking you let me ask you the question what do you think his net his net on off is this year look I'm saying that that's not representative okay look Kaminsky's his bench replacer and Kaminsky's been one of the worst players in the league answer the question Okay, answer the question. It's probably it's probably a two, dude. I'm so upset. I I don't care. Like like look, look. argue with the numbers. All right, let me ask the rest of you guys this. What what do you think? Hold on, take a deep breath. He's on off net. He's on off net. Probably like seven. Have you seen Kaminsky? He's pathetic. And what do you think? What do you think there? He's on off net. Like three. He's he's plus eleven. I'm going to start swearing. I'm going to get God. really – I don't okay. remember the last time I was Read about Chris. <laughs> Here's the thing though. Like, and, and we, we can move on from Dwight here in a little bit. I'm so upset. Is <laughs> if, if you're able to move away from a bad contract, mm-hmm. if you're Portland. Okay, if you're in, yeah. I have another um, Evan Turner getting, Can I interrupt you so we stop talking Dwight's, about Dwight? You're, you're oh, getting God. Dwight's production back. Stop saying his 16 name. and 12 Dwight. No, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep going with it. 16 and 12 from Dwight. Just just the raw counting stats alone. Oh, the raw counting. What are Look, what hey, the Charlotte offense is eight points better when he's on the floor, and their Look, defense is three points better when he's on the floor. is Frank Kaminsky. Okay, all I'm right, just, guys. Hey, I'm just telling you what it is, bro. I'm just telling no. you what it is. You just said replacement with Cody Zeller is supposed to be great. It so what is. are you telling me right now? 
Like, Cody Zeller's injured, and, like, their offense sucks when he's... Okay, look. Let's right, ask what, this a different way that maybe isn't so triggering. Move? What about a Chris? more aggressive move, like CJ McCollum and Evan Turner for uh, Evan Fournier, Aaron Gordon, and the Magic first-round pick next year? That's actually the exact trade that I brought up two, maybe three weeks ago. I didn't... I wasn't sure how that fit into things but then again orlando's been really good about giving players away that turn out really good so um <laughs> yeah but they don't have i keep I, saying I they don't that. have the same guy anymore yeah, it's a new gm yeah, no, that gm yeah gonna, i know they're not gonna yeah, i know hammond's in there hammond's in there for heineken but um mr the, olshay absolutely mined orlando for whatever he could get and now that guy's gone so yeah i'm not hammond's quite not, sure they're gonna be hammond's able to shake him out well, up, but it would be fun. So tell me what they I, I'm kind of want to go back to Dwight Howard, but then you can also talk about yours, too, yes. Dan. What would are we, are Dwight we really doing this? bring to the Trailblazers? Like, yeah, would he be a, a good terrible fit? attitude? Like, would he t- be uh, a fit with the culture? Would oh he be God. a fit with the um, <laughs> locker room? You know, Dan knows a little, probably knows a little bit more, is more a little bit f- familiar with the locker room. Are you guys um, the devil's advocate? The, I just want to know. I'm just asking <laughs> questions because I want to know the answers. Mm, okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> Did ahead. you just whimper? That oh. was awesome. <laughs> that was what, you know what? Okay, wait, I have to interject a story here. Uh, when I was at the, the game last night against, I can't remember whoever it was they played, um, and they showed... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh denver that's right they showed uh damien in his street clothes clothes and i actually let out an audible sob i was just like no and like everybody around looked at me and i felt kind of embarrassed but i was very upset so i can feel you chris i feel you when you're upset you sometimes you got to work through Let, it let's but anyway get the objective yeah. viewpoint here james james your thoughts first before chris loses his mind I mean, the, the, I guess my point is, like, you'd get a legitimate double-double machine in the middle, and I get it's just counting stats. Um, as long as you, you – his his big issue has been he wants to post up. I, I think they, they've gotten away from that some in Charlotte. Like, they got him out. They broke, they're trying to break him out of that habit. Um, and hopefully you would think that, hey, you want to win. You're at the tail end of your career. Just rebound and block shots for us to run the floor. And, I mean – that's a huge upgrade from what Nurk is doing right now, right? Nurk has just been kind of flopping around out there. Here's the thing. Stotts likes to post guys up, for, not frequently, but enough as a way to to, to change where the, the point of attack comes from. So it's not always coming from the wing or it's not always coming from a pick and roll. Because Stotts' system uh, was you know built around Dirk Nowitzki in the high and mid post. If you, you have a guy like Dwight, let's let's say you give Dwight five, six post-ups a game. Oh, my and God, even if Dan. He, here's the thing. Here's the thing. If if you get Dwight to buy in, and I understand that's a stretch, but if you get him to buy in and say, hey, you'll get your touches down there, but you have to kick it out from time to time. And again, I know that's a stretch. But if you put on the tape of LaMarcus Aldridge, if you put on the tape of LaMarcus Aldridge and show him how many post-touches he got and how frequently he was left in one-on-one coverage. I don't even know what to say. I don't even, I don't even, okay, look, all right, here's the bottom line. The Blazers right? are posting up Nurkic right now, and he's, he's scoring in the 13th percentile on the post-up. So Dan, what do they have to lose? Dan, this is the last thing I'm going to say about Dwight, okay? If you think that Dwight is going to help the Blazers, you either haven't been watching the Hornets, which is fine. <laughs> watching the Hornets isn't great, 
or you don't understand how basketball works. <laughs> it is one or the other. That's not you the either, first time someone said that to him tonight. You either yeah. are like not good at critically analyzing the game of basketball and how it works, or you haven't been watching the Hornets and you don't know how detrimental Dwight Howard is when he's on the court. That's it. See, this is, this is like the people who say that DeMar DeRozan's an objectively bad player. You know what? I, I don't care what you're saying right now because it, you can be flawed and still be a productive basketball player. And that's what Dwight is right now. Yeah, you can. And Dwight's not that. He's bad. It's bad. He's awful. Let's move so on. He's the worst Hall of Fame 16 and 12 you'd ever get. He is the worst. What is like, uh, oh my God, I'm so upset. How do you, how do you I hurt? think we hear where you stand on this one, Chris. <laughs> I can't do this anymore, please. <laughs> and again, I don't think this move puts Portland over the top, what but about it, does, it does change a lot of things. Um, I, I, I'm full in on Gasol too. DeAndre, like I've wanted to Gasol in Portland for, for years. DeAndre, in my opinion, would be a bad fit. Would be a bad fit. You really? Uh, Dwight Why? Howard? Oh my God. Well, hold on. Yeah. That, yeah I'm, no, intrigued, I'm intrigued by DeAndre. Can you say what you think would be the, the um, lack of offensive that? versatility? He, he, so that's, what, whoa, that's Dwight, that's Dwight Howard too, though. So I don't get it. He, here's, here's the thing. I think Dwight can at least create a little bit of a shot off his own. Um, and even just not out of a straight post up, I, I'm just talking about just from the mid post, from the pinch post, a little bit of a face up dribble and put the ball on the floor. DeAndre, you, you don't even touch him. Um, the Blazers can't afford to have another guy on the floor where everything has to be created for him. Here's the other thing. Really? Dame and CJ, Dame and CJ don't throw lobs. They, they, they don't throw lobs. So oh, that hurts. You're, you're taking DeAndre Jordan's probably most apt offensive skill and throwing it out the window. So my thing with that is, though, have they ever had a guy like DeAndre throw a lob too? Because you, I can throw no, a lob. I'm, no, I'm not a good passer. I can throw a lob. DeAndre can catch it. I, yeah, I know people will laugh. I know people will laugh about Mason Plumley, but Mason yeah. Plumley, every year he's been in the league, has been one of the top dunkers in the league as far as dunk at total dunks each year. Yeah, but like he, he doesn't have, he the great hands. He doesn't have the great hands. That, he doesn't have the great hands in the vertical spacing that DeAndre does. He just doesn't do no, it. No, that, 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 that's true. Uh, um, but Dame has tried in the past to throw lobs, and he just misses. It's it's really weird. Tara and I have talked about this before. Like there there have been times where even Pat Connaughton has like called for like an uncontested lob, and Dame or CJ has just kind of looked him off like nah. Well, see, <laughs> it's you, like you can't miss. Oh. You can't miss with DeAndre. You can't miss with DeAndre. You just throw it up yeah, in the ceiling right. somewhere. He's gonna go get. It. What about Hassan Whiteside? Hassan's a lot like DeAndre, except he can create a little bit. I would be interested in Hassan. I was interested in Hassan when the Blazers tried to nab him two years ago. Like yeah. he's, he's a black hole. He's an absolute black hole offensively. Um, Aren't you saying that you need someone I, yeah. who can like burn possessions, or are you implying that a Dwight Howard post up is a good offensive possession? No, I, I'm I'm saying that. If you give the ball to Hassan Whiteside, it's absolutely not coming back out. Yeah, but that's I mean, is, isn't that is, what you're is, saying? His you history want? shows that. Like he's 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 one of the absolute worst in, in like modern NBA history when that comes to as, <laughs> that opposed, comes to as so, opposed to Dwight Howard. <laughs> so I have there, a few. There are I've, levels to this. <laughs> <laughs> no, you guys remember that Dwight Howard was the starting center on a team that made the finals because of his pick and roll threat and. And his vertical spacing. Yeah, and you know what? St- Stephon Marbury is in China right now. He's a different player. 
<laughs> okay, I have a few things that I believe to be true about Trailblazer trades. They aren't ever going to trade for somebody who I heard of prior to 2015. And they're not going to trade for somebody whose name has an H in it. So that would eliminate Hassan Whiteside and Dwight Howard. Um, but that would leave DeAndre Jordan in the running for the ones that you've all discussed. That's just, that's been true What's so far. No, no H names? Because there's always like a whole list of like, what was last year? Dwight Howard, Hassan Whiteside, Al Horford. Um, there's a whole bunch of guys and they all had to H either in the beginning or the end. Uh, first name or last name. And I was like, none of those guys was are Harko coming. And did any of traded? them come? No. Was Harko signed or traded for? Harko's traded. Yeah, okay. but he I hadn't a heard of before 2015. Top 55 protected second round pick. Yeah. That's okay, so that one did for. slip through. But I still hadn't heard of him before, prior to when we got him. Yeah, I, I don't know. I think, I, I th- ultimately, I think Portland's going to move at least Ed Davis because his contract's expiring. I think they're going to try and get something out of him. I, I love Ed, too. But um, there, there's a lot um, – that needs to happen for this team. So it's will it still... be for a pick? Will it be for a, the ability to get rid of another contract along with him? I, I think if you if, had if to they, read the if team, moves, if I had to read the team, I think they try to move him for a late first round pick or move him for a player coming off a rookie deal. Um, the other team isn't interested in signing. Uh, long term, so that they can yeah. be more flexible in their cap space, and the Portland would then have the rights to to sign him. Because as Nurkic keeps playing, I can hear the um, sound of his agent crying as his <laughs> contract just loses a million dollars each month. Because um, right now he's not getting he's not getting that twenty one twenty two million dollar deal. Like right now he's on pace for like a fourteen maybe fifteen million dollar deal if everything goes right the rest of the way. See, I would think that. The trade that the Blazers would make is to try to find another Harkless, except like one who can shoot, like a guy who can start alongside Aminu if it works out, of course, like a, a roll of the dice or whatever that didn't cost a lot of assets and was sort of underappreciated in whatever market he was in right now. That's what I think would make some sense. Yeah, I think that's the way that Portland and, and fans would like to see things go. Um, the what, problem what like in my Evans, mind. Maybe? Not enough of a shooter. He's been. Would you ever want to fight Tyson Chandler out of Phoenix? What? Not unless it came with something else. Tyson Chandler. Um, yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. So I, I think Tyreek Evans. Uh, do you guys hear my dogs? Yes. Okay. They right. sound well, lovely. I, I think like Tyreek Evans has shot really well from three from three years in a row, and I. I think that I think that it's real. I think that he's a better shooter now. Hey Chris, meet you and when you're dog I I, uh, I was just about to, but um, yeah, I like Tyreek uh, Evans is shot. No, well you're not going to. Um, <laughs> oh God. Okay. All right. Go ahead, guys. Let's talk about Dwight Howard. <laughs> oh, like, hey, right. like Tyreek would be a good. If you could go back, you, you think so? Uh, I think yeah, Tyreek needs really a little more than Evan Turner does. He has been amazing in in uh, Memphis. Last year he shot 
also like 40% plus from three. I mean, if you could put me in a time machine and I could go back and make a trade happen on a, on a, uh, you know, buying low on a, uh, on a player, um, Tobias Harris, Harris would have been the guy to do last year. Um, cause I mean, right now what he's doing in Detroit, 18 points a game on, 43% from three taking six threes a game, the positional flexibility and versatility he gives you. Um, and then that's the thing. If you look at all the guys that would fit Portland really well, um, Fournier is a bit of a weird fit. I think Gordon is a good fit. Uh, Aaron Gordon, that is uh, Chris Middleton, Tobias Harris, um, CJ miles. is probably a good one. Um, CJ miles would have been great. Right. Yes, CJ Miles, I think is a is a is a great player. Um, hey, so, why do you think that? Why do you think Fournier would be a weird fit? Uh, I'm not sold on him well. as as a yeah. yeah as a, I'm not sold on him as a three. Like his 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 lack of physicality um, and athleticism at that position. I, I know we're in the, the 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 age of positional flexibility and versatility, and there's no but there's no more two, three, four. But to me, he screams, "I'm a two, only a two, and I will die a two. Like that, that, that at least in, in my opinion. Um, I I like him as a player, but again, I th- I think he's more. Now, if you were talking about like what we, were, we mentioned earlier, like packaging up McCollum with some other players, and Fournier came with Gordon. Where you could then theoretically run out Dame Fournier, Aminu Gordon. I think being bigger, longer, and more athletic at the three and four, you could compensate just like you could uh, if you were going to get like a a bigger three to play along Dame and CJ. I, I think you could make that work if you had the flexibility. If you added somebody like Gordon alongside him at the four, you bump Aminu down to the three, then you can make things happen. But I mean, you go up and down the list, every one of these guys is locked up. Like the only one who's not locked up, um, it's probably on a rookie. It's on a rookie deal right now. Is Sarge, who's ain't going anywhere. Um, Danny Green, um, Jalen Brown. Uh, I mean, I wouldn't touch Wiggins. Hey, don't even uh, mention my guys. Don't even talk about Jalen Brown. Bring him up. Yeah, that's what I mean. J- Jalen Brown and uh, Jason Tatum. I mean, you're not touching either of those guys. Um, Kelly Oubre has been somebody that's kind of caught my caught my eye for a while now, but I don't see Washington moving him anytime soon. Um, so yeah, you I mean you look at everybody who could possibly be in that neighborhood, and they're either guys who just got paid. Hey, what um, about OG and Anobi? I hate you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, We've I mean, come full circle. Yeah, exactly. For everybody that doesn't know, I mean, OG and Donovan Mitchell were the two guys that I was screaming about. Um, leading into the draft, those are the two guys that I pegged uh, over they and over. They were on the board, though. You couldn't have picked them. Like the opportunity was. Oh wait, no, they were on the board. They were both on the board. Yeah, that's that's the problem. Um, but I mean, you look up and down this list, and they're either guys that are under max contracts, guys about to be max contracts, or guys on rookie deals that teams are not willing to part with unless it's CJ. So I mean, that's that that's, that's the that's the number. That East Young is, has been an interesting option for a while now. Yeah, I don't like that two, one. Two or three years ago, you you might have been able to yeah. talk me into that. Yeah. Um, but right now, I just I don't see that as as the right fit. Like, if you wanted to get somebody that was quote unquote on Dame's timeline, um, Tobias Harris, Chris Middleton, probably the guys that I would go to first. Because I don't think you can get a, a Paul George in any way, shape, matter, or form. Um, maybe you had a chance at Covington a year ago. Obviously not now, but 
beyond that, like, I mean, I don't know. What what do you guys think? And we'll kind of kind of hey, wrap on this. What? Hey, Josh Eustace will be available next year. Hey, uh, what about Dwight Howard, guys? Can he play the three? <laughs> we'll play uh, the power forward and move move a meter down to the three. So my original my original question was on a scale of one to ten. How likely do you think it is that the Blazers are going to make a move, and how big of a move do you think it was going to be? So I would love to return back to that and find out if I'll say I, I'll there's say a lot of half. names going out there, but I don't. I want what are the likelihood? Dan says, and do you think it's going to be a big splashy one, or it's no, going to be like a no. four or five? It's going to be. It's going to be moving the expiring contracts. So it'll okay. be the Von Lays, the Davises. Um, they could you now. The, the caveat to this is you could see those guys attached to add value to CJ going out. But unless things go completely sideways and somebody loses their job, I, I don't think CJ gets moved. So high likelihood, uh, low to middle impact, or um, like Impact's player way to put range, it. I guess. Okay. How about you, James? I say nine that they're going to make a move, and it's going to be a big splashy move. Oh wow! I think okay. that, that all the no, he, the, the Dwight's there, there coming. At, uh, maybe not even Dwight. I think they might even be able to do better. I think it's a small move that they hope ends up being big. So we have a likelihood, a high likelihood from all of you, and then a small, medium, and large splash one for each of you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so hard to tell what's going to happen. <laughs> what, I mean, which means in all yeah. reality they, they don't make any moves whatsoever and they stand pat how, do you, how would you feel seriously about a move for like a Josh Eustace or a Jeremy Grant this year the return in the long run is probably worth it depending on what you're looking at um, what, what's going out but again I think that as, as, as nice as those players are though, and this is probably why it makes the most sense that it would happen these are the lateral moves I mean, it's, it's no secret that, you know, I've, we've talked about this a billion times that I don't think lateral moves are going to get this team out of the position they're currently in. And then in order to make um, big time games, they, they need to swing to the fences on them on a move. So now adding those players, um, if they can do so without hurting the core and by uh, um, moving some bad contracts, you know, if by some magic that, you know, you find a GM out there who has a Billy King moment, great, grand, awesome, make it happen. But um, I, I don't think that Portland's in a position of strength to make a move that really matters in the long run right now without giving up a lot. Very true. I'm still upset about Dwight Howard. <laughs> you have to go meditate for a little while? Go have yeah. a little quiet time? I gotta go find my happy place. <laughs> so, uh, all right, well, so I guess you've been listening to Blazers Edge and or BodPod. Yeah, why don't you? Why don't everybody uh, say where they can be found on the various social media channels that they prefer? Uh, okay, I'm James Holish. You can find me on Twitter at Snotty Drippin'. Homage to the great Scotty Pippen. Um, Who are you writing for these days, Scotty? Or Scotty? I called you Scotty. <laughs> Who are you writing for these days, James? Uh, you can find me. B-Ball Breakdown, uh, well, I'm, I've been slack, I've been writing. B-Ball Breakdown and Real Ball Insiders. And I think soon you'll see me somewhere uh, that might surprise you guys. I'm, not gonna, I'm, I'm, I'm teasing it. Uh, in the next week. Yeah, yeah. Are you going to become a big TV star too? Uh, no, I'm too ugly. I got, I got a face made for radio. 
So did Dan, too. So I don't know how that didn't worked. Didn't stop me, buddy. Didn't stop me. <laughs> uh, and you can also hear him on Dunk Tales, which by the time this is released, will be up. Him and Joe Borelli from the Superflight Pod. You can find that on almightyballer.com, where you can also find new episodes of Blazer's Edge, which we are proud to have representing the Blazers for us over at the network. And you can also find Almighty Ball and NBA Show. And you can find Bod Pod, which you may or may not be listening to already. So thank you for subscribing and checking us out. Jared, go ahead and let them know where they can find you. I am at TCB Biggs on Twitter. I also um, co-host the What Podcast, the Women's Hoops and Talks, which is uh, can be found in this very feed um, on Almighty Baller. We're still a part of Blazer's Edge. It's a new podcast that we're having a really good time with talking uh, to women in basketball. Thanks for um, letting me be on the Bod Pod. I'm so excited that I got to be on. Thank you for having me. You deserve I it. I told you we make it happen. <laughs> what? All right. I said, we, I told you we make it happen. Oh, okay. Just got to make, make it happen, you know? I've um, been whining all week because he's a big TV star and I'm nobody. So he was like, I'll let God. this make this happen for you. Okay. <laughs> I had to make some phone calls. That's how it goes. Uh, you can find me on Twitter. Uh, the, the persona of Danny Meringue. Now I'm going third person at D Meringue. Um, you can also find me uh, on non game nights on Facebook uh, for the Blazers Outsiders. And I don't care if this is the Bod Pod Blazers Edge crossover episode, but we're going to mention Blazers Edge night because it's huge and it's coming up. And it's the holidays and this is the big push. So all the information will be on the Blazers Edge dot com uh, page uh, for the podcast where you can donate tickets from $9 to $13 um, for underprivileged youth and adolescents um, who don't get a chance to go to a Blazers game. And it's an awesome, awesome, awesome event uh, that uh, we're going to be sending 2,000 people to this year. So literally 10% of the Moda Center will be filled up with Blazers Edge Night uh, people. Um, Very cool. And get them Very an cool. opportunity, a chance to go ahead and check that out. So if you can, uh, during this holiday season, buy ticket donate um it's tax deductible so you got a few more you got a week at least now before the end of the year uh if that's your reasoning good great grand awesome you can also buy some blazer's edge socks which are absolutely awesome i wear mine all the time i've got a couple pair and they have become my lucky socks that i don't wear on game nights because i don't want to hex them <laughs> i just got my new ones there they have different ones this year and i just got my yes. new ones in the mail very exciting so, very excited to wear them they they, they are awesome again uh, for Tara, for Dan, I'm, I'm for Dan. Uh, I'm really going third person. He's really right going now. all in for, on the third oh, person. Oh man! So for for Tara, for me, for James and Chris, for the Blazers Edge podcast and the Pod Pod. Thanks for joining us, everybody, and we'll catch you next time. I hate Dwight Howard. <laughs> <laughs> I'm leaving that in there. <laughs>